This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. John, it's good to be back. And we got a ton of topics. ESPN layoffs, the New York Times' big decision, and the MLB's first half. He's going to And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, a lot to get to. Uh, let's just get it started. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, welcome back. Get us started. Who's your who's up? My who's up is Paul Feinbaum. Or as I like to call him, Lou Gehrig, and I'm Wally Pip. Uh, Feinbaum last week, uh, we really appreciate him filling in, and I think now we kind of have a competition because I got a lot of great feedback when you were off. Colin Cowherd was excellent. Feinbaum um, was tremendous uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, he was willing and able to talk about what was going on with the ESPN layoffs as an ESPN employee, which uh, was valued. You can see why ESPN values him because of his opinions uh, and his insight. And then on the Pac-12 deal. So uh, it's kind of a matchup now. Who is better, Paul Feinbaum or Colin Coward as a fill-in host? Uh, But we appreciate both of them. So Paul Feinbaum is my who's up. I got to say, it takes somebody like Paul Feinbaum in order to replace you, Andrew Marchand. So uh, (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, my who's up, I'm going with Tom Montemagno. And he is the executive vice president of programming acquisitions for Charter Communications. They, of course, run uh, Spectrum Cable Systems. And Tom is one of the main people behind Charter's plan to find a solution for this RSN crisis that has been affecting leagues, it's been affecting teams, and it's, of course, been affecting media companies, the, the, the RSNs. Charter's plan sounds a lot like their old plan. They're going to set up a, a sports tier of sorts. But this plan has been years in the making. Montemagno has had to spend the past several years trying to convince RSNs that the best path forward was to allow Charter to put them on effectively a sports tier. Uh, They convinced the RSNs that if they went on a sports tier, it would give Charter more flexibility to give lower cost packages to try to stem cord cutting, which will keep RSNs in the business of providing local sports that much longer. Importantly, Charter also is allowing other distributors to do the same thing with their own RSNs. Charter owns the RSNs that cover the Dodgers and the Lakers. Will this work? We don't know. I think it's worth a try. And for what's next, Andrew, I'm keeping my eye on Comcast, the biggest distributor in the country. It owns a bunch of RSNs, the NBC Sports RSNs. And we're going to be looking to see if it wants to follow Charter along this path. We're going to be talking about this a lot a lot more later on in the topics. Sounds good. All right. My who's down 
is the New York Times, uh, and it's for their decision to get rid of their sports department uh, with their acquisition for $550 million of the athletic. Now, let me start with the negative, okay? It is ridiculous that they have people like Rory Smith, who covers soccer, a great soccer writer, people like Tyler Kepner, who covers baseball, who live and breathe these sports, who are part of these sports. Uh, Dave Waldstein, who has been a longtime New York fixture, uh, writing great sports stories that other people don't unearth, that they're not going to be writing sports. Uh, At least that's the plan in two months. Um, Now, when they bought The Athletic, it doesn't really make sense to have a sports department when you have uh, 400 writers that they bought. But I think the impetus to this is I believe they're not making money on the athletic. It's not working right now. So they have to justify the athletic. And I've seen some quotes from, you know, or at least some reports uh, from New York Times executives that they don't, they have too many sports reporters, that there's too many people who are covering the sports beat as compared to other beats. And that's where the most of, uh, they have the most reporters on. What did they think when they paid $550 million for 400 reporters? Uh, and, and I think they might, you know, fear that they overpaid. This is the problem I have with it. And this is the problem I had with Disney during these layoff round after round is that the humanity of it is lost. Um, you know, they, they act as if like these places act as if like they care about their employees. Well, if you care about your employees, yeah, it's one thing to keep them employed. They, they haven't gotten rid of anybody. But when you take their livelihood, what they do and what they're really great at doing for your institution and just treat them basically like dirt and say, go cover Tyler Kepner, I think is going to be on national, uh, the National Bureau. Uh, maybe if he was covering the Nationals, that would make sense. But the National Bureau, after 25 years almost of covering baseball, Rory Smith, I don't know exactly what he's doing. And, and there's others as well. Those are just a few that I'm pointing out. There are a bunch of New York Times sports writers who never write. Um, and so like, I can understand that they're going to go from writing like three times a year to zero, I guess, for the sports section, but I don't understand. And I get the union involved, but where the, you know, I get, there's a union involved here. So that's why it's not so easy to say, go work for the athletic, um, which would make the most sense. Uh, but, uh, the union's going to fight this, uh, but my who's down clearly the New York times. Yeah. We're going to bring that back in, in the topics. Uh, my who's down at the risk of kicking somebody when they're down. It's uh, Jay Monahan of the PGA Tour. Uh, there's not much more I can say. You want to read about uh, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour, Google Sally Jenkins and read any of her stories over the past month or so where she's really ta- uh, had some tough stories uh, to, to write about him. But as we're taping this podcast, Andrew, PGA Tour representatives are in front of Congress answering questions about the live deal. Over the weekend, Randall Stevenson, the former AT&T executive who is a member of the PGA board, uh, tendered his resignation from the PGA board. And while doing so, he cited a U.S. intelligence report that referenced the Saudi's involvement with the murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. So Monahan is coming back from a leave of absence next week. He took the leave right after the live door deal was announced, citing health-related issues. I'm not in a position to predict whether I think this deal is going to actually go through or not. I, I still don't know that that's what we're going to be reporting out. But it is clear that this live deal and all the ugly tentacles that come uh, alongside of it is going to hang over my enhanced head like a dark cloud for a long, long time. And that, Andrew, is going to take us into the topics. And topic one 
uh, which was our uh, opening topic last week, but you were on vacation and you were breaking the names of the people who are getting laid off by ESPN uh, at the time. Before we get into some of the ESPN issues, take me through. I mean, you're on vacation. What are you doing? Getting texts? Was Friday a vacation day for you? or did, did, Yeah, I was at Hilton Head. I was in my <laughs> hotel. So I was really on vacation with the family. You know, I reported earlier in the month or maybe even the previous month, I don't remember exactly what I reported that by the end of June, the layoffs were expected. Well, um, the, not this past Friday, but the previous Friday, the calendar the next day turned to July. So that kind of my senses said, well, it's going to be this day when it hadn't happened that whole week and it hadn't happened uh, the previous week. So, you know, I had an inkling that it was going to happen on that Friday and then it did. First off, the, the biggest thing is for all the people who are laid off. Um, but I think as a reporter, this is a big story that you have to cover. Um, and so I felt like I needed to to cover it because it's I think you could argue and we're only halfway, a little more than halfway through the year. This That might be the biggest sports media story of the year. All right, so let's go through the big names of people that were laid off. Who's the biggest surprise for you? I mean, the one that really scratch, makes you scratch your head the most is Jeff Van Gundy. That one, to me, is ridiculous. Um, to me, he's maybe the best game analyst in sports. Uh, and to not have him on your broadcast uh, by your choice is crazy. Uh, in my opinion. Now, it wasn't surprising to me in the sense of during the finals, I'd heard Van Gundy's name and made a bunch of calls on it uh, to a lot of people. And the issue with that is that, you know, there's a list going on and there are people who are on the list and then taken off the list. And so, you know, you don't want to jump the gun on something. And I don't think even at that point, it might not have been finalized. Um, but that was before I think game five of the finals that I was really looking into that. So his name wasn't shocking to me. Um, but I do think it's um, surprising. I mean, then there's a lot of other big names, Jalen Rose. Let's stick with uh, Jeff Van Gundy for, for a second. Mad Dog suggested on air that th this was the NBA's doing. I haven't heard that Andrew, what have you heard? So my immediate instinct when this happened was, well, you know, does the NBA have a hand in it? And they weren't on the record. I don't think ESPN, I guess they had a statement that they made, but they didn't really weren't on the record for any of these things. Uh, sources stressed that it wasn't the NBA. Now, I don't know. So let's just make it clear. I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way. I don't know for certain. Okay. I will say that um, if the NBA who we both know is heavy handed in terms of their opinions on coverage. Okay. They're, they're heavy handed opinion on coverage with people they do not have deals with. So I can only imagine when they're in a partnership with a network. I mean, I know this, they, they, they make their opinions known. So look, do I, do I think they said Jeff Van Gundy should go? Adam Silver said Jeff Van Gundy should go. I don't think so. So I don't think there is a directive, but if they had made it known that they were, kind of not fully satisfied with Van Gundy because Van Gundy can be critical. He can be critical of officials. Um, he can be critical of rules and, and, the, and the NBA. And, you know, that's been going on for a long time. And if they want to promote Doris Burke, um, this was an opportunity to do that. And even though I think Van Gundy took a pay cut a couple of years ago, they could take the money down. We'll see what they do. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Doc Rivers uh, could be in play. He's tight with uh, Mike Breen. I do think the NBA likes Doc. 
Um, and you know, Doris Burke is also in play. And what where does that leave Mark Jackson? If both those things happen, is a question. But as of right now, I'd say Doris Burke is in position uh, for that spot. Are we going to have to start a Burke meter along the lines of the Brady meter for Doris Burke? Uh, I don't think so. She's going to want to do it for sure. Uh, I think, and she's been proven. She's done a good job. I mean, it's a different venue, uh, and also there's a chemistry thing. The weird thing is ESPN has struggled with their booths. Right. They've struggled with Sunday night baseball. Um, they've struggled, obviously, before Buck and Aikman with Monday night football. I would argue Chris Fowler's not a great play by player in college football. They got a great one in Dan Shulman on college basketball. But the NBA, that has not been an issue. The number one booth has been excellent. Breen's excellent. Um, then Gundy and Jackson worked really well together. I get it. They get some things on social media. Everybody gets it on social media. I've said this a million times. If Vince Scully was around today, there'd be people being like, he drowns out. He drowns on too much. He just talks, tells stories. He did like to work alone, which might be a story um, in the New York Post. If this was, you know, Vince Scully, you know, so Vince Scully's great. I'm not allowed to say anything about Vince Scully, but like all these people, like nobody goes untouched by social media. So I just don't think I would not have made that decision. The biggest surprise to me, Andrew, actually, is, is Paul Feinbaum, uh, somebody who hosts four hours a day and is part of almost every studio show that ESPN has. If you had heard him talk last week on the podcast, when we say there are no sacred cows at, at, at ESPN, you know, other than you know, the, the sacred cows that we listed, there really weren't. Like Somebody like Paul Feinbaum really didn't know if that call was going to come, if he was going to do a show that day, or even if the show that he did that day was the last day. And so everything that he talked about really showed at the top tier of talent at the at, at ESPN, there, there was an angst and uncertainty that, uh, that that was pervasive and still is, frankly, with, uh, with the contracts that are, that are expiring. And that's what Jimmy Pitaro and Burke Magnus, they're going to have to figure out because it's impossible for employees to feel like the ground isn't shaking when it shakes. Like, I know you guys discussed this and I think, I think Paul said this, but I think others think this might've been the darkest day in ESPN's history. I wouldn't say that personally. I mean, it was a dark day. Don't get me wrong. Top 10, probably maybe top five, maybe top two. But I think when they laid off like regular people, um, was that five years ago when it was like 200, you know, there are a lot more numbers. This was, these are big names. So this was a tough day. Um, you know, Jalen Rose, Keyshawn Johnson, Todd McShay, um, Susie Colber, uh, you know, some surprises like Ashley Brewer, who doesn't figure to be making that much money, you know, as a younger host of SportsCenter. And, you know, there are some other things to save money. I do think they're trying to reach a number. So I think like we talk about Van Gundy, well, they have to reach a number. So Van Gundy did have a big number and that helps you reach that. And they're going to have to try to stabilize the place. They got McAfee coming in. I mean, the McAfee trend, that was ridiculous. Like, I again, I wasn't really I was just focusing on reporting and getting back to the beach. But um, the uh, so I wasn't like on social media. But I did see McAfee was trending. One had nothing to do with the other. They I do think and. I think ESPN strongly believes that they're going to make money on the McAfee deal. And so they're not going to not do business. Their big feeling is that they made these layoffs so they don't have to um, have more layoffs of behind the scenes people. Um, and another important thing is that in November, they're going to have, we'll be doing a podcast after their earnings come out. And for what I've been told, and I think this will be the case, they're going to be really impressive. Maybe not as impressive as, as they were five, seven, 10 years ago, 
but in, you know, in context, but I still think they're making a lot of money, which is going to make people be like, what the heck um, as well. That's not going to go over that great. But at the end of the day, this is all about the stock price, you know, with Disney. And it's not done yet, as, as, as you've alluded to, as a lot of people have alluded to, like they're, they're not going to renew contracts that are that are expiring for a certain talent going. So this is a, a story that that's not going to be ending. Let me add, they will do deals, though. Like we don't want everyone out there because we do have like we, we, we we're trying to talk to the masses, but we do have a lot of people from uh, ESPN who listen as well. Like it's not like they're not going to they're going to make they're going to do deals. I just don't think and there'll be some big deals. But those will be more of that um, needle movers. And the, the weird, the thing I'm looking for too is how do they handle the people they did let go? Because the one thing that's been awful throughout these layoffs is when people want to work, and then yes, they're still getting paid their money. But people like it's it's part of like, and that's where I get. We talked about the New York Times earlier. Maybe we'll transition now to that we talk about Disney. You have to think about the people too. It's not just getting your money. I get it. Like mo- the average person would be like, well, they're getting millions of dollars. They have to sit out. Great. I'd love to do that. But most of these people want to work, you know, and, and it's something that I don't know if it's totally relatable, but they want to be in the action still. And it's not really right to, to sign a contract. Both sides sign a contract. You agree to work for them. They say, nope, you're no longer working. We're still going to pay you, but you can't go work someplace else. That doesn't feel right. Maybe it's legal, but it doesn't feel right. And I just think these companies, especially when they you know, cast members and the whole thing, I don't like that personally. I think that's awful. Let's transition uh, to the New York Times. Uh, it was your who's down. And to me, it, there are a couple of different ways to look at, at looking at this. My opinion is that this is always what was going to happen as soon as the New York Times bought the Athletic last year, I mean, they they they, they bought a big sports group and they were going to have it become their sports pages of sorts. So it's not overly surprising that that happened, but the communication has been abysmal to the point that uh, and uh, uh, Ben Strauss of the uh, Washington Post uh, had this story over the weekend. The um, uh, he's the one that broke it. The New York Times sports reporters actually sent a letter to management saying, what's going on? We keep hearing these rumors. And the next day, magically, all of a sudden, there's this announcement. Part of the deal is that there are going to be no layoffs. And they're going to take the existing New York Times sports reporters and put them on the business desk where they're going to start to write more business type stories. The problem is, I'm told, Nobody at the business desk knew about this beforehand. There's just a lot of questions. They've had the athletic now for a year and a half, Andrew. They 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 certainly have a strategy with it, and they're not they're not being open with the with their workers about what's going on. So when the union, the New York Times union, comes in and complains that it appears to be union busting. It's, it's hard to look at it in, in any other uh, fashion than that to me. This is like taking Maggie Haberman off of politics and saying, go cover the Mets. And I think she might be a Met fan because she's from New York. But let's just say, she, you know, she probably could do a good job. But the point being is that or like Rory Smith um, is uh, is one of the finest soccer writers around. Uh, and just saying having him, having him not cover soccer makes no sense. Tyler Kepner, I talked about earlier, the guy eats and breathes baseball you're t- like I, I i and i get it like i i always said this we said this about mike soltis who the longtime pr uh, guru at espn who was there for 43 years and was in the layoffs this this year like i said he doesn't necessarily deserve 
45 years just because he's been there 43 years. He deserves 45 years because he's really good at his job. That's why you keep him. Not because like, you know, you got to let him get to a certain age or whatever. These people deserve. Again, there's some people there who don't do anything. All right. And so the fact that they're not writing, they don't write anyway. So, okay. The, the people who are doing great work um, and the sports section too, it's also, they've also, I've always said this about the Times sports section. They'd rather write about the giants taking a train to Washington to play the commanders than the actual giants versus commanders game. Now I'm not saying the sports writers would rather do that, but that was, that's kind of the MO. It's been that for uh, a good while now. And they stopped covering New York beats and what they lose. And this is what I think they try to bring in with the athletic is you lose expertise when you do it like the way they've done it. And the people I'm mentioning have expertise. The idea that how they kind of treated sports and then to turn around and spend $550 million to, in theory, the athletic covers sports on a granular level, although they also for a while have had that, you know, we'll write every once in a while thing. I think that's changing a little bit now where they're writing a little bit um, more frequently. Um, but that doesn't make any sense. That just, it doesn't. And so it just, the whole thing feels wrong. So to your point, I tweeted this the other day. Yeah. It doesn't like people are like, well, they're getting rid of sports. Well, no, not really. I mean, yeah, they're they're gonna have, rid of sports they have all, more yeah. writers now than they did before. So that like, I can understand it in that regard. Why not use those, whatever, I think it the numbers 400 reporters, why not use those reporters, but why throw the, like, these people overboard with no knowledge of what's going to happen and no plan and no regard for these people's careers and their lives. Like they can do that, but it's just like, it should be done with some respect and also um, some understanding of what you have. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship icon of the seas, the ultimate family vacation, the ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never-done-that-can't-wait-to-do-it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Andrew, we are uh, taping this uh, before the All-Star Game, after the Home Run Derby. It's going to publish after the All-Star Game. Baseball's at their mid-season break. And by every single business metric, it's doing pretty well. And I, I, know, I know the officials at MLB, you know, Rob Manfred on down, think that the rule changes, uh, and I also believe that the rule changes have a lot to do with this. Attendance is back up um, after, after several years of, of going down. TV ratings are, they're not up as big as I thought they'd be, but they're, they're up a little bit. Local ratings are, are, are up uh, pretty significantly. What's your take on the first half of the MLB season? Well, I think actually, the, the really what I want to know and what I think the biggest story for what we do, you've been all over, is the regional sports network. Um, and I think when we look back, you know, you talked about this at the beginning of the year in our preview. You said there's a hurricane brewing. Well, the storm has come. Um, and my question to you, really, so I'm just going to ignore you asking me a question uh, and <laughs> ask you. <laughs> all our production meetings have gone like it's uh, they're haywire. Yeah, exactly. Where are we going with this? Like, where where are we? Where are we going with the regional sports network? What are the again? I, I always say never ask like five questions at once, but you're professional. Um, the 
where where are we going? What teams do we have to watch out for? What what's 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 on the horizon here? And, and what have you what have, and then looking back of what have you seen so far? Back before the season started, uh, Rob Manfred had said that he is not going to do a deal with Sinclair, uh, and and that that became plainly obvious. I I'm going to uh, full cards on the table. I didn't believe him. I thought, of course, they're going to try to do a deal. They're going to try to prop up the regional sports networks as much as they possibly can. They're going to try to make sure that all the teams get paid somewhat for the next couple of years because because that hurricane was coming. It didn't necessarily have to hit this summer. It could hit next summer or the summer after. So you may as well collect all the money that you can. Rob Manfred and the Major League Baseball executives and owners they just want to rip off the Band-Aid. They, 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 they don't, don't necessarily want to support a, a, a company in Diamond Sports, which operates a Valley Sports Networks, that's in bankruptcy. And so they're not, they're not being helpful, really, to, to Bally's at all. So when Bally says, says, we're not going to pay the San Diego Padres, baseball steps right in, grabs those rights, and starts uh, telecasting those games. Uh, and they're paying the Padres 80% right now of uh, a rights fee, uh, 80% of what the Diamond Sports was, was, was paying them. And so that's not sustainable long-term, but what baseball is really trying to do is they're trying to get back as many rights as they possibly can. And uh, Diamond has to decide whether or not it wants to give up those rights or, or whether it wants to sort of keep those rights and keep baseball at, at bay just a little bit longer. But it, it seems clear right now where this is headed and, and baseball is going to end up at some point with more rights. Uh, the Warner brothers discovery networks, uh, for example. So the, the, um, the Rockies and the pirates next season, they're going to revert over to, to major league baseball, mm. unless some, some RSN comes in uh, w- w- with some money, but that that's almost certainly certain to happen there. And how do you think it's gone with the Padres? So far so good. It's gone really well for the Padres, but it's not sustainable. Andrew, like they, they aren't getting uh, paid by the distributors. They're, they're paying a rights fee that uh, 80% of a rights who's, fee. Who's, that the MLB is paying that to them? MLB is paying 80% of a rights fee that uh, Diamonds thought was way too high that they just walked away from the contract on. So it's it's something that they stepped in. It looks really good, but what's the next step? So there there is a way forward and there is a path forward where everybody talks uh, a short term where there's a hybrid. And you're going to have a linear TV, you know, uh, rights, and you're going to have direct consumer rights. So old guys like me will still have their cable uh, subscription and be able to watch it on an RSN, whatever you want to call it. And uh, younger people like my son can just say, like, I want to watch this game or I want to watch this team, you know, and and subscribe uh, direct to consumer. We're headed to that point. I don't, I don't. The, the big question that we're reporting right now is when we're going to get to that point because it's it's uh it's it's not coming this season is it going to come next season uh we're going to see and the the hurricane right now is with baseball and baseball is playing the part of the bad guy but basketball season starts up in uh in in uh in october and hockey season starts up in 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 the fall as well and so all of a sudden these other leagues are going to have to get engaged in that that same way all right and by the way when you're saying you know older people like you when you said younger people you said your son. I thought you were going to say me. Um, 
well, you know, I call, I put you in in the older group once, and you, you didn't react well to that. So I was like, I'm not doing that well, again. I, mean, I don't really I'm not care doing that, that much. I am a little bit younger than you, though. So, um, all right, let's move on to the next baseball. This is kind of a baseball related topic. You had this story, Charter and the RSNs. Um, I read your story. I need you to kitchen table a little bit for me. Tell me, for people who haven't read it, can you please summarize what you reported and, and where we're going with that? This is a big deal, Andrew. Everything I've written about has been from the team perspective, the league perspective, from the RSN perspective. The distributors are finally saying, like, let's figure out a way forward th that the RSNs can exist, and we're not going to necessarily lose a, a ton of subscribers to cord cutting. I have to say, every five months, my wife comes to me with a cable bill and is like, why do we still have cable? Well, the Orioles are at the third best record in Major League Baseball. So, of course, I'm going to get cable. Oh, speaking to, to, of, speaking of Adley Rushman. The tying run at first, the go-ahead run. Rushman at the plate. Rushman drills it. Deep right field. Adley Rushman gives the Orioles the lead. Johnny, we interrupted the podcast just for you for that. We had that, we had that queued up just for you. By the way, during the home run derby, I got a ton of shout outs on Twitter. I went Adley Rushman was doing well. It's like I'm his agent or something. <laughs> it's like a, a, you might name it. <laughs> yeah, your next dog's going to be named Adley or Rushman. All right, oh, go back. Oh, to, right, let's get back question. to Let's get back on course. Uh, so Charter and RSNs. Essentially, many years ago in cable, the cable operators and satellite operators, DirecTV and, and Dish, they uh, launched sports tiers. Those sports tiers did not include ESPN, the RSNs, FS1. It didn't include any sports programming anybody wanted. It was all sort of like the handball channel or you know, the highlight channel. And so people did not subscribe to them and it was a, they, they were a colossal failure. What Charter has done is that they've negotiated with the RSNs to say like, let us put you on a sports tier because if we have more flexibility to, to do smaller packages, more people are gonna stay with cable and more people potentially are gonna watch you. This is the first time one of the main distributors, a cable operator or a satellite distributor has come out and said, we are, we, we are gonna get flexibility and we're gonna start a sports tier that right now has uh, the regional sports networks. Eventually, will there be ESPN2 on there or F FS2, those are gonna be terrible negotiations but if ESPN wants the rights to go direct to consumer it might have to give something up so you're looking at actually sports tiers with the sports that people want to see that could that could get more uh, more penetration could get more subscribers than than not so uh, again I don't know if this is going to work but it is a really important first step to see that a cable bundle which has been so good to, to the, the entire sports industry because it just prints money for the sports industry. This is a first step to see if it can sustain itself for the next couple of years. Andrew, uh, this gets back to my roots. I, you know, I grew up with Cable Facts Daily. I was, I, I've been a reporter in like the cable industry. I love talking about this stuff, but uh, as much as it pains me, let's go on to the next topic, which is a story that you had, I think months ago, where uh, about Big Noon Kickoff, the uh, the uh, Fox Sports pregame show on Saturdays with college football. We have Reggie Bush is out. Mark Ingram is in. What do you know? Yeah, so Reggie Bush, I think a year ago this almost happened. Uh, Mark Ingram um, was talking to Fox because um, Reggie Bush was just in a contract fight um, with 
uh, Fox. He wanted big money. Uh, eventually, they came to an agreement, and also Ingram decided to play one more year with the Saints. Uh, and so uh, this came back around. Uh, Bush only had signed a one-year deal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think Fox really believes in Mark Ingram the third. Uh, in that show, I mean, that show has made inroads. I mean, College Game Day is still College Game Day. They've added McAfee. It's an iconic show. But with that big noon kickoff, the success of those noon games, uh, this is a legit show. And and so that's a big move. These jobs, they don't, you know, it's not that many dates, right? This isn't, and it's not the NFL. It's It's been a success. But, you know, I think Urban Meyer's probably, he's definitely making over seven figs, um, I would think, even on his rebound comeback. Uh, but the, all those jobs don't pay seven, because again, it's like 12, 13 dates. Um, and it's a pregame show. It's not the games. And so if you're looking for, what Tony Romo or Tom Brady are getting, uh, you're just not going to get that for a pregame show. So, and Reggie Bush brought a lot of star power to that show. I think there are high hopes for Ingram the third. So Fox made that official uh, this past week. Yeah, that would be interesting to watch a new a new person on there. And the other thing we didn't mention is this game back to baseball, but you know we're taping on Tuesday. Tuesday night is uh, Derek Jeter's all-star debut. He debuted in London, did pretty well. And then uh, Tuesday night he was debuting. So Fox, they like to try to add big stars. Yep. And, and it fits in with their pregame strategy of like big personalities and big stars. And you know, people don't like necessarily the forced laughter, but it's people that are having a lot of fun on set and they're, they're trying to, they have a club that they want people to come in. John, before we end, get Witter versus Thread. So I was on vacation and I'm on vacation. And I, you got to, I, someone was nice enough to send me a blue sky social handle to, to get on there. So I go, all right, I'm on vacation, but I'll try to get on blue sky. I had trouble getting on. Eventually I got, I'm on blue sky. You know, people don't even know what blue sky is blue sky was supposed to be for like 10 seconds was going to be the alternative to Twitter. So get on that. Got to get on there early. Um, then Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, they come out, Instagram meta. Uh, they come out with threads. Um, you're on it. I'm on it. What do we think? Twitter versus threads. Who's going to win? What's happening? Sports implications. What's your take? Uh, Twitter's not going anywhere, Andrew. Uh, and I hope it doesn't. I've spent more than a decade building up an audience on Twitter. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Twitter can somehow figure this out. I did go on, uh, on threads. So I'm on threads. Uh, I'm not going to be active on threads until they uh, allow me to uh, do stuff from my desktop. I'm not a big phone guy. I'd like I, yeah. I'd rather do it, do it on the desktop. You don't sound old saying that, but go ahead. I, I I'm sure I do, but I'm on uh, I'm on post. I like to uh, use a typewriter. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a buy stock and whiteout. Absolutely, uh, but I'm on post. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm trying. Like I I feel for what we do and the ability to uh, um, have a megaphone for our stories. I, like I want whatever social uh, outlet ends up being the best is the one that I'm going to use primarily. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still uh, more active on Twitter than anywhere else. And John, I, the thing I'll say about this is that I just think that, uh, that people on Twitter, like you and I, who now have, you know, we're approaching a hundred thousand followers, you know, and then you go down and you've got to build it back up with threads it's, I think you're going to stay on Twitter. I mean, I, I get it. There's things with Elon Musk. Um, he does seem to be kind of ruining it. I mean, the, the whole thing, like, I, I honestly, I think we need to do it because it's kind of part of the business. I could make an argument and have about how 
the media shouldn't be on it, but that's how it works. And so I can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to be, you know, I think Tom Verducci. There's a few others who aren't on Twitter who are reporters and writers. For the most part, you have to be on, especially if you're in the news business uh, and you're trying to break news all the time. Uh, it's part of like the the uh, economy of that. But that said, so I don't know. I also think, and you know, I know at one point I had a site where I could post multiple things on multiple sites. So maybe I, if there, I'm sure there's something like that where it can go on when you tweet something, it also goes on threads. Maybe I'll do that. But I will tell you just one day back, it's too much to tweet something and go to threads. And it's like, uh, just one or the other, somebody got to pick it. And you know, you got a lot more followers. So, you know, try to build it up, I'm sure. But uh, I don't think uh, threads is being Twitter. And also it's not chronological. Like that's the thing. I think chronological is the way I think you should follow who you want to follow and it should be chronological. Um, And then maybe you could opt in to like, all right, I want to know other things that's going on. That's what I would do if I was uh, meta, I would make it. So you get to follow who you want to follow. And then there should be another feed that's, you, not your default feed where you could go and see what's going on in the world. There, we solved the world's problems. Solved the world's Perfect. Problems. Let's let's launch our own social media network, the Mando Network. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the world needs. Well, it's good to have you back. We're at the end of, of another pod. Uh, by the way, I was talking to uh, uh, Kevin Brown, who is uh, the voice of Adley Rashman, basically, mass in uh, play-by-player. And he was like, boy, is Marshan getting tired of me yet? I was like, I, I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. He's still great calls, Kevin, out there. Thank you to uh, AC Wyatt, as always, master of the board, uh, Chris Mason. And uh, if you can rate us, review us, you know, five stars, we'd uh, we'd appreciate that. Awesome to have you back, man. You're not as tan as I thought you'd be for being at the beach. I was in and doing layoff stories. So I was unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, no, I don't know. I, I, I wear a hat, you know, I got the, the hair sort of, I used to have big curly hair now, not so much. So I got to keep the hat on and a lot of sunblock, but I, I got a little tan. I got a little color, but not that much. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey Siri, when did the New York times buy the athletic? Hey Siri. When did the New York Times buy the athletic? It's not working. Hey, Alexa, when did the New York Times buy the athletic? From usingtoday.com, the New York Times company acquired the athletic, a subscription based sports journalism site, in January 2022 for $550 million. January 2022. Okay. So, for the record, my phone did pick it up and actually did answer the question, but Alexa, Amazon over Apple there. Yeah, Amazon over Apple, definitely on that one. All right, Alexa, that's enough. Now she's talking about (laughs) No, stop. Apple over Amazon on that one, yeah. Hey, guys, that's not nice. Alexa's like, I won. By the way, since we're on the bloopers here, and anybody still listening from Amazon, I don't need Alexa to sell me stuff every five seconds. Okay. All right. If I, I'll tell her if I want to buy something or whatever. I don't need like you could get at you know Amazon Music. I don't need that. Colin Coward, Paul Feinbaum, not one blooper. Professional broadcasters, they know how to talk. Like we're still writers, Andrew. We've been doing this for two years. We're still writers. <laughs> we deserve five stars.